1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursdays with Wayne, one of the popular talking pools podcast people. Oh, boy, that alliteration! Um, My day is Thursdays, so you get to hear my lovely voice for a few minutes um, every Thursday. Lucky, lucky you. Since we're not concentrating on testing so much, although I will talk about testing from time to time, I thought I'd kind of go a little little dreamy maybe <laughs> for, for this one. I've titled this one, my 2024 wish list. Now this is a, a listing of things I wish would happen within our industry. I mean, you know, I've been around for a while and, and I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. I've seen the meh. I've seen the meh, meh. Um, you like that? Meh, meh. Um, and, and I can kind of, see what's what's really going on as far as the trends and and th- things of that nature. I mean it's and it's not just testing oriented or chemistry oriented. It's other things. So I'm gonna kinda touch base on that right now. So I've got a few few notes down here uh that I can barely understand uh because I wrote them down so much like I have no idea what that one is, R-B-N-B. But anyhow, let me start with the ones I can read. How's that one? My first wish for 2024 is that simply for people to start talking to each other, specifically organizations. Now, you know, the, the things like PHTA and and, and um, MAC and, and model aquatic health code people and, and all that, you know, we, we, we all try to do the best we possibly can for the public, for for our customers. And in that light, we, we go off on on our little discussions about, you know, standards and and you know, chemical ranges and equipment issues and, and things like that. But we always seem to be talking to each other in different rooms and never really, really Getting together and provide and, and 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 developing one set of standards for us to follow. That's it. One set of standards. Period. Okay. Why can't we do that? Uh, now I know there have been attempts over the years uh, to to try to do that, but you know it it it's just such a hard. Nut to crack. I mean, all these different groups that are out there are, are, are very well-meaning and um, their, their goals are lofty. Um, sometimes they're successful. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they argue amongst themselves. That was me sipping coffee. But, you know, do, do they really talk to each other? I mean, here's a perfect example. I mean, and, and this, is, this is on a state level. I understand, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I am, but I understand now that the state of Florida has allowed people to test as low as a 7 point, or to have at a least a, a low pH of 7.0 in pools, to allow a 7.0 uh, pH. Now, immediately when I saw that, I went, what, what, what? It, no, that doesn't make any sense. 7.0 is, is although it's neutral on the grand pH scale of 0 to 14, in the pool and spa industry, it's on the acidic side. And when you, now normally the, the most commonly referenced ideal pH range is 7.2, excuse me, 7.4 to 7.6. And it has everything to do with comfort. And not necessarily anything else. I mean, there, there is chlorine efficiencies related to your pH. However, keeping it lower just to make your chlorine more effective is, is shooting yourself in the foot here, people. K- keeping it lower uh, at a pH, getting more bang for your buck out of chlorine, fine. But what does an acidic water situation do to other things? Such as water balance. Um, you've got, you know, uh, uh, you've got co- potential corrosion. You've got, um, I mean, there, there's just so much going on with a, a low pH situation that it's really a, a, a problem. I mean, you know, um, you can pit concrete. If it's a vinyl liner pool, you get wrinkles. It can, lower pHs can irritate your eyes and skin, depending upon your sensitivities. So you know there, there's a lot going on as far as, as as having a low pH. Now that that's on a state level, I know that some of the organizations have been looking at expanding the range for pH, and it's like no, don't stop, Uh, walk away, run away. Ah, uh, you really shouldn't be using that simply because it doesn't make any sense. You can't just look at one parameter and think that changing it is going to be, you know, the do all to end all. Uh, no, because changing values on on different parameters can have echoing effects on other parameters that uh, could cause a problem. And so, we want to make sure. That the best possible scenarios occur in 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 recreational water. So there's the comfort issue for the users. There's an efficiency um, uh, 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 level for the all the equipment things of that nature. You can't just look at one thing and say, okay, let's change this to do this. And and no, no, it doesn't quite work like that. Think of is falling. You know, like we're playing Jenga and you pull out that one one piece of wood you're not really sure about, and all of a sudden everything falls down. No, it doesn't quite work like that. So, so I, I really wish that someone would try to create just one simple kind of standards, that's the word, standards, so that everybody can follow, now, whether it's national, international, you know, it doesn't really matter, but everybody needs to get on the same page here. So that so that's my first wish. My second wish is specifically for uh, companies who produce testing equipment. Gee, I wonder where that came from, Wayne. Gee, I don't know, Wayne. Let's let find out. Well, of course, my affiliation with with Taylor for for thirty some years, and my knowledge of several of the other major test kit companies uh, in the industry, I've I've often wondered. You know how things get done, really. I know that, for example, coming out with a new test kit uh, for a new parameter is not a um, simple process. It, it's lengthy. It can take many years of research and and testing, and and just uh, just overall, you know, uh, uh, use in order for it to be part of um, the the inventory for for a company. A perfect example is the one that that I know of very well, coming out with a cyanuric acid test that reads in ranges that are far lower and far higher than what current cyanuric acid tests do. And it's uh, normally it's either you know, you, you, and even on a test strip, you know, it's 20 to 100, 30 to 100, that kind of thing. Sometimes you have to read lower than that. Sometimes it's necessary to read higher. So what do you do? Well, we, Taylor created a kit a number of years ago. It was it was pre-COVID, I believe, uh, that you're able to do that via a dilution process. Uh, and that was great. And that, that has been introduced and has been selling and and I know that I think a couple of the other test kit companies, Lamont and, and, and ITS and things like that, are either have a kit similar to that or or are in the process of developing something. Some of the other parameters that you test for, you know, the, these, these tests have been around for a long time. You know, the obvious ones, pH, alkalinity, sanitizer, you know, hardness, things like that. Uh, all the metals, copper and iron, salt testing, um, you've got um, other metals testing uh, on the industrial side. You have uh, a, a number of different kinds of test kits out there. But the thing that, that, that my wish for testing companies uh, for 2024, th- this is, this is a, a shout out to, to all of the testing, uh, all the companies out there that, that produce test kits, is that let's make these kits not only easier to handle. But a little bit more economical, and and I'm not talking about drastically reducing prices. You know, I understand the world as it is, and I understand that that costs go up and and things of that nature, and and supply and demand, and, and all that adds into it. Uh, I lived it for for thirty some years. However, the ability of a service person, for example, that has a old oh, 20 or 30 pool route uh, every day, the cost of reagents or discs or test strips or whatever, yeah, it, it, it can get pretty high, even though some people consider testing supplies a commodity like a rubber ducky or a pool noodle or something like that. The test kits have to be able to be affordable so that a service technician can can buy them, number one. If a homeowner wants to buy them, number two, um, they have to be understandable. They, the instructions on, on how to do the test have to be pretty clear. Got kind of intimate knowledge on that because I wrote some of the instructions for some of the kits that, that Taylor is using. R&D wrote a lot of them too, or most of them. I wrote some. But the problem is when you try to do instructions, you know, Everybody's going to read things a little bit differently. And um, unless you're very, very specific and very detailed, people are going to m- not understand the instructions. Or even worse, people just ignore the instructions altogether. Cons- you know, I, I've been testing for 40 years, and I know exactly how to do a pH test. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, that may be true. You know, God bless you. But, you know, things are, are, don't always stay the same. Uh, chemistry tends to... Stay the same, but the industry as a whole is simply trying to make it easier for people. Uh, for example, Lamont's uh, spin disc—that's uh, that's a great example of a change in in the procedure on how to do a kit. Uh, excuse me, how to do a test, not the test itself, but the 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 process is basically a big centrifuge, and um and and I think I think it's a it's a great idea. Now, the, the, the issue is is that not a lot of people like them, not a lot of people like the tailor kits either. So, you know, everybody has their own personal preference. But I think if we all kind of work together and kind of make these, make these necessary pieces of equipment easier to understand, easier to do, and a little bit more cost effective, down the road, it's, it's going to work. The, the, the big big thing that I used to get at just about every pool and spa trade show I ever did from 1992 to to 2022 was that, is there a magic wand? In other words, is there something I can stick into the water that will read all the parameters that I need to test for within a couple minutes on some kind of a portable colorimeter or photometer? The, the the problem is it doesn't exist. And quite honestly, probably won't exist for a long, long time because of the methodologies involved, because of the chemistries involved, uh, how you test for pH versus how you test for uh, alkalinity or different things of that nature. It, it, if it does ever come out, it's going to be horribly expensive. You're talking probably tens and thousands of dollars and not something that, you know, you can buy for 100 bucks and stick in your pocket kind of deal. But everybody asks for this magic wand. Nobody has yet created it. Now, that, does that mean, it, it? like I said earlier, it, it, that it's not going to happen? Yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, it, it just simply technology is going to, to, to create it now, uh, probably around well after I'm gone. But at some point, testing companies are are have to look into things like this. Even though you know photometers and colorimeters and things like that are available and they're very good products, excellent products, the cost involved in doing them uh, is is pretty pretty high. Um, you know, a couple thousand for the meter itself, and then you have to buy all the other products to to actually do the test. It, it, it can can get up there. The costs can get up there. So, my wish list for twenty twenty four now has. You know, look into that magic wand development. I think we need that in in the industry. We need a, a one stop kind of um, situation in order to to make our our service people uh, be able to and homeowners, if they desire, be able to get pretty much instantaneous readings uh, for um, for for their water for their water testing. So you know, come on, people, step up. Let's look at creating a magic wand so I don't, at trade shows, you don't have to say, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. All righty. So, now, uh, my my next little wish list has to do with, with service technicians. Again, over the course of my history in the industry, I met a lot of service guys and gals, a lot of really, really great people, wonderful people, people I'm still very close to and friends with all over the world. Thank God for them. They, they, they know what they're doing. They're they're good to their customers. They're the kind of people who explain what it is they're doing and why they're doing it, offer suggestions, tricks of the trade, things of that nature. In other words, a really, really good service person. You, you take that, that person and then you go to the opposite end. You get the, the really, really bad service person who's only in it for the money, who comes by maybe once every week or two weeks, kind of looks at the pool, skim skims some leaves, maybe does a and, and adds a gallon of bleach and leaves. Doesn't even test the water, okay? Or service people who think that they're they're super super smart and are intentionally rude to customers. Think us think of a, a a service technician named Karen. Karen, you know, no offense to the current Karens out there, but. You know what I'm talking about. This is the kind of person who, you know, just really doesn't care anymore. All it is is a paycheck to them, you know, and, and does the bare minimum or not even that for their customers. This is the kind of person that gets fired quite often, okay, by the customer or by the company or whatever, because they don't care. They, they don't do their job. You know, we all have jobs to do or jo- or had jobs to do in my case, and it's, it's important that these jobs be done right. And uh, if they're done right for the, for the homeowner for the, for, and for the service technician, then and, and the service technician shows their expertise uh, to the homeowner so that you know, the homeowner goes, hey, this guy, knows, this guy knows what he's talking about, then, then, then you've done your job, okay? You're a service person is only as good as he or she was trained to do. Okay, that's why I loved teaching at trade shows, because in a room filled with a couple hundred service people, you know, that shows to me that that they want to learn and that that they want to understand something. And this holds true not just for classes on testing and chemistry, but this holds true for other kinds of classes, too. So, you, you've got to be able to to refocus. And I'm talking to service people now. To refocus how they do their job. You know, they, they you know set, help, help the customer, help the customer understand, even teach the customer a little bit. You know, a knowledgeable customer is not a pain in the butt. Okay, a knowledgeable customer is a good partner in taking with you and taking care of your pool or spa. So the 2024 wish for that is that, that service technicians continue to, to uh, actively participate in educational classes as much as they possibly can and for um, customers to appreciate what the service people actually really do. So that's what I've got right now because the other two, um, oh, well, wait a minute. Here we go. Here's, let me, let me leave you with one more. My 2024 wish list uh, needs to have a little sidebar on plunge pools. Okay. And things of that nature. Plunge pools are becoming very popular uh, of late. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, just take a look at or or read about any kind of physical training uh, that say footballers go through um, or or really any, any kind of athlete goes through uh, after a game. Uh, You know, it's, it's been shown that plunge pools uh, when they immerse their body in the in the very cold water uh, there are definite benefits so plunge pools are becoming a thing much like float tanks became a thing about 5 or 6 years ago uh, plunge pools are now the biggie so my 2024 wish list is that we do a little research on plunge pools and the chemistries involved with plunge pools and the benefits of maintaining one of these pieces uh, of equipment for not only uh, athletes and, and and you know anything sports related, but for homeowners too, uh, and that service technicians um, understand how these uh, plunge pools work and and, and the on the duties that need to be done in order to keep it safe and clean for their customers. So I think I've ranted, not ranted. I think I've kind of preached enough for today. <laughs> I wish everybody a wonderful week. As always, if you have any ideas on topics to talk about or any technical questions to share with us, uh, please send them all to talkingpools at gmail.com. Once we take a look at them and if we decide to use them in a podcast, we will send you a lovely what the flock hat to wear to cover balding heads on guys. And those of you who know me understand why I mentioned that specifically. So uh, remember, talkingpools at gmail.com. And we'll be more than happy to to include that uh, in an upcoming broadcast. Until next time, everybody, please be safe out there and take care. Bye-bye.